is reach out to every single domestic violence victim personally. We can't do it with all of the others, but that's really unusual in most um, most jurisdictions. So with every new case that's charged with DV, we will at least try to reach them um, to offer services. Welcome to Shop Talk with your fantastic host, Chief Jeff Walther, and our not-so-spooky sergeant, Allison Semsis. Welcome to Shop Talk with Sergeant Allison Semsis and I, her sidekick, Chief Jeff Walther with the Scottsdale <laughs> Police Department, because that's really what it's turned out to be. It's kind of like my home life, um, but, I, but it's excited. I'm excited to be with you uh, again, Allison, uh, although I felt like we spent too much time over the weekend at the at the uh, canine trials, the week of canine trials this past weekend. So uh, pretty awesome, though. It was a great time, Chief. Yeah, it was a good time. It was uh, well attended. Uh, I think we had 70 canine teams, police uh, canine teams from around the country. It was the largest one we've had so far. In fact, it is the largest uh, police canine event in the country held at uh, Scottsdale, West World of Scottsdale. And so pretty awesome. A lot of vendors and a lot of cool things. Uh, yeah, there was even a bull you could ride there, a mechanical one that my kids absolutely loved. Lots of vendors. Yeah, and I noticed when the kids came with your husband, um, their hair was well brushed, <laughs> and uh, and they their clothes were sort of matching. I thought that was a good idea. Good job, James, if you're going to listen. But uh, I did see you give him the stares of death a couple I, times, which, uh, yeah, I it was actually, I was, I was afraid. You made me afraid. Yeah, they definitely had a... Great clothes on, their chocolate all over their faces, <laughs> on their hands. While I'm trying to do a Facebook Live, they're walking up to me and their hair is out of control. I'm like, oh my gosh, what? Right. They, uh, but they're yeah. alive and they're healthy and they made it to the They event. looked like a street urchins out of the Great <laughs> Expectations novel. Yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> Anyway, really sorry, tried. that's an older reference. I know kids probably aren't reading Great Expectations anymore, but uh, you know, we, it just seems like we just slammed right into this show. But anyway, <laughs> welcome to uh, the Shop Talk uh, for October. It is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and so we're going to have to get serious here momentarily. But let's not. Uh, let's. Uh, uh, we're going to have some uh, terrific guests uh, from internal to the the PD and internal to the city organization, and we're going to get into kind of the nitty gritty of of uh, domestic violence awareness month. And we have to have conversations about uh, a lot of the big things that I think that are going on in the country right now, and certainly are happening in Scottsdale and the Valley. And so I'm excited to have some uh, wonderful folks on. But before we get to that, uh, it is October, which means it's also Halloween. So dun, dun, dun. yeah, you know, I'd like to. You give some safety message always. And so um, for everybody out there, be be careful. The trick-or-treaters that are out there, um, slow down. I know we, we get into neighborhoods and we get going fast and people have been driving crazy. I think we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about street racing and speed um, in here and then the speeds that are going on in the valley if you spend any time on the freeway and how how fast everybody's going. I set my cruise control at 75 miles an hour, which is 10 over, I know, because usually photo enforcement gets you out of how dare you? I know, that's terrible. So send your hate mail uh, elsewhere, please. Uh, but uh, yeah, I said it at 75 and people are blowing by me mm-hmm. like I'm standing still. Yeah, it it's is crazy. insane. So um, watch out for our trick-or-treaters uh, on Halloween night. Hopefully it's not 100 degrees on Halloween because uh, all that melted candy is awful. But um, anyway, keep an eye out for each other. Uh, slow down. Uh, make sure kids are okay and have a wonderful time. And uh, please, nobody smash the pumpkins on my front doorstep. <laughs> Although I, I did, did you that. carve them? I did that once or twice. I did smash a pumpkin or two when I was a kid. 
it's terrible. Did you carve pumpkins, Chief? No, no, no. My kids are all grown. That's for you know, my my grandkids are are carving pumpkins, and I'll go watch that. Oh, but so you no. just take the pumpkin and you set it. And out. things have gotten super easy. Sorry, but you know, you still like a you know, like carve it by hand, and your your the face of your pumpkin would look all ridiculous. <laughs> it would look. I mean, it would, right? It would. It would. So now they've got the. The things that fit on your pumpkin, the stickers that fit on your pumpkin that help you cut it. I mean, all my pumpkins when my kids were growing up looked like Quasimodo, right? <laughs> With a sunken inside of the head and the eyes that were all disproportionate. And now these pumpkins I see are absolutely amazing. So It's called rustic, isn't it? No, unless they're left like two days in the heat and then they're really looking sad and they soggy. They kind of sag yeah, so yeah. Like old. Yeah. yeah, so uh, have a great time. Be careful. Take care of one another and um, do great things. Don't eat too much candy. Uh, and for those of you who are handing out um, full-size candy bars, you're awesome. And for those of you handing out apples, um, um, no. Raisins? <laughs> Raisins? Aww, Come on Trail now. mix. <laughs> <laughs> trail. <laughs> I did. There's still, there's still some folks that hand out an apple, and that's probably the way to go. It really <laughs> is. But it <laughs> On today's show, we are dedicating our discussion to the important recognition of October as Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We are honored to have in our studio the distinguished sergeant of our domestic violence unit, Marcus Dutton, who brings with him an impressive 17 years of dedicated service. Joining him today are two of the five esteemed members of our Victim Advocacy Office, both possessing significant experience in assisting victims of various crimes, including domestic violence. We extend a warm welcome to Keisha Buiz Oropesa and Ellen Larson. So I have three guests with us today, which is um, unique. You know, we used to say we were just one person coming on, but in the last couple months we've had multiple folks come on. I think that's been terrific. We get even more great conversation out of that. So uh, I am happy to introduce Sergeant Marcus Dunton, uh, who is the sergeant over our domestic violence unit, um, victim advocate Ellen Larson. Uh, who is with the city as um, a victim advocate, and uh, Keisha Buis uh, Oropesa, who's also with victim a victim advocate um, with the city of Scottsdale, and so uh, so happy to have you here, and I appreciate you uh, at least joining in my in our pre-show uh, joking around because that's always fun, but it's terrific to have all three of you here to talk about a pretty weighty topic, and uh, and then to get some honestly to get some resources out there for our listeners or people who are friends of our listeners um, or acquaintances, because the more information I think that we can get out, uh, the better. Um, This is not something that I think sadly is ever going to go away in terms of domestic violence. And so I I just think our, our, our society is, um, although we've been combating this for a very long time, uh, this still goes on way, way, way too much. And so we see it a great deal in our own city. And so anyway, welcome. Uh, Sarge, you want to just talk, uh, just kind of start us off a little bit. Tell us a little about uh, about yourself and about your unit, and uh, and your and your focal point uh, as uh, as the sergeant of the domestic violence unit. Thanks, Chief. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to to have us on. You bet. Uh, like you said, my name is Sergeant Marcus Dunton. Uh, I work with the City of Scottsdale. I'm a domestic violence supervisor. Uh, I've been in that position a little over a year, and I've been with the city about 17 years total. Um, currently. I'm in charge of investigating and disseminating cases related to domestic violence. Okay. Um, I have a unit that consists of 
currently have three detectives and one civilian investigator that are helping us out uh, go through all these cases and, and help victims the best we can. And you do have a vacancy. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was going to not that bring we, that up. We, <laughs> we, hope to, we hope to have somebody in, you know, sometime in 26 or 27. Uh, sorry, I'm just kidding. Uh, sometime in 2024. <laughs> so we'll have that filled. Well, having the civilian investigator has been tremendous. Um, that's, that's been a huge... Huge help. So and you have civilian investigator TJ Duran. I do the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> For those of you you know listening, TJ was a uh, a longtime violent crimes unit detective with us when he was uh, in his sworn professional career before retiring many years ago, and he's come back to us when we opened up some civilian uh, investigator positions. So it's good to have him back. It's good to have him. How long has he been with you guys for? Uh, a few months now. Oh. So he uh, yeah. he came on board in the FAC and got trained up and. I was lucky enough to, to get him assigned to my unit. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ellen, you're, you're next. You're in front of the microphone. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been with the city and uh, kind of what you do. So, yes, my name is Ellen, and um, I've been with the city for four years, a little over four years, and I work with all victims. Um, however, we have a pretty significant DV population that we work with. Um, yeah, so, and be yeah. prior to that, I worked in DV with the, with the county. So when you say like all victims, what do you mean? So victims of um, uh, non-DV assaults, uh, DUIs, um, harassments, trespassing, anything like that, shoplifting businesses wow. as well. Yeah. So any any victims that uh, are interested in in participating. And in there the, are a lot. And sadly. there are a lot. Yeah. 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 Uh, Keisha, you can you uh, pull the microphone over and? Yeah. Um, like Ellen. Um, I'm a victim advocate. I've been with the city for just over four years, um, working with DV victims along with all um, criminal um, victims that come through the prosecutor's okay. office. Yeah. Sadly, you know, it, it seems like when you, when you look at uh, victim services, right, and how many advocates do you have and has that grown over a period of time or has that remained kind of stagnant? Um, we have... Five victim advocates now prior, uh, just a few months ago, it was four and a half. So the half-time position was... Um, kind of freaked out a little I bit. I know. Like I was like, like, four and a half? She's very small. <laughs> <laughs> if you're under five foot, you're yeah. a half a victim's yeah. advocate. Okay. All right. I see that. So now she's uh, she's actually full-time, and it's really helped a lot. So we're, we're busy. We're very busy. I think we have... Um, a, a source of pride is that we have a, a lot of victim advocates for um, a city jurisdiction, but it means we can really uh, provide much more comprehensive services. So I think that's a good thing. It's so funny. We, we call that Scott's dailing it up because we do so many things in this city. I think uh, oftentimes that go unnoticed or just mm -hmm. expected uh, by our, our mm -hmm. residents, our business owners, the, the people who come and visit here or spend their dollars here, that 12 million Visitors that come to, to come to Scottsdale, and if they're victimized, they're going to have a lot of resources thrown at them. Uh, we say the same thing in the PD. We have, for a city our size, we have um, significantly more employees, officers, professional staff than you see in other cities our size. Part of that is because we have such a robust um, special event season with millions of people mm -hmm. that come here who, sadly, um, are involved in as their victims or their. Uh, they're, or they're victimized uh, um, either in domestic violence or something else. And so it's, it's pretty awesome to Scottsdale things up and, and provide great services to the community. I repeatedly hear from victims how happy they are with Scottsdale police response. It's something I hear 
all the time. So awesome. that says a lot. That's good. Yeah, this one will definitely, yeah. this, this podcast will definitely find its way in the link into my boss's uh, <laughs> email real quick. <laughs> so thanks for that. Thanks for, thanks for the shout out. So, you know, uh, Allison and I are going to throw a number of questions at you. So feel free to answer, you know, kind of whoever wants to, to tackle them. Um, but when you think about, you know, we, Ellen you and I talked about growing up here uh, before we came on, growing up in the Valley. And how do you, you know, I, I look at policing and Marcus, you can think about this too, uh, but how do you find your way in Kasia? How do you find your way into um, victim advocacy and, 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 or find your way into the domestic violence unit and, and really take that on as a passion? How do you, how do you find your way to these positions and um, how did that evolve for you? Well, I stumbled into it accidentally and fell in love with it. So um, I was, uh, uh, during the um, economic shutdown, I, I was working for Catholic Social Services and everybody was laid off, almost everybody. So I ended up working for the Victim Advocacy Center and um, was my first encounter with working with domestic violence uh-huh. victims. So I had a learning curve, um, but it was uh, really rewarding and inspiring to see um, you know, the empowerment that would happen over time with a lot of support um, with, with many of the victims. Um, also kind of work tr- learning how to work through some of the frustrations of helping victims leave was mm-hmm. really rewarding. Um, at first frustrating and then kind of starting to understand the barriers um, and how to work with those. Um, so it wasn't initially a passion, but, but has become one. Yeah. yeah. Marcus, how about you? How do you find your way into supervising the domestic violence unit? I think finding my way into policing began. You, you'll remember John Carlick. Yes, very much so. Johnny he Carlick. Was, he was my dare officer. Yeah, and uh, oh, okay. he was very influential in the. It's like the a career. surfer guy. Yeah, he's very influential in my career path, and, and kind of led me to where I am now. And kind of being where I'm at now, I think I enjoy. I, mean, I don't know. If enjoys enjoys kind of a, a heavy word, but I like where I'm at. The position yeah, where yeah. I'm at, be, because of as heavy of a topic as it is, seeing the immediate help that we can yeah. give the victims in, in their time of need and, and connect them with great resources like our victim advocates and our police crisis folks and, and just all the amazing resources we have in the city of Sky. So that's, yeah. that's the, what I value the most is just being there for the victims that need us when they need us the most and just Scott's dealing it up and having yeah. all the resources <laughs> that we have and just being able to help them and genuinely give them the support and everything that we can. Yeah. I will tell you that it's a that's such a big deal too, and I tell our folks all the time who grew up in this organization or grew up in the city organization. It's great when you come from outside, and you get an outside you have, so you have an outside perspective, or like Allison from a like a military perspective, right? We have it so good here because we throw a lot of resources at it, and we and we throw a lot of resources at it because at problems because we have so many resources. And I'll I'll tell our officers and our professional staff on occasion, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, you're you really don't have that much to complain about because, you know, I, I like to say we're in a policing utopia or in a, a great opportunity because we have amazing support of our citizens and we're in the city. We're well-funded. Our programs are well-funded above and beyond so many other cities. And so we're able to really work hard at taking care of the community and providing services to the community. And so Kasia, can you talk about a little bit of how you, you know, you've been here four years and, and how you came to, to Scottsdale and how you found yourself um, as a victim's advocate? Um, kind of like Ellen, I just kind of fell into it. I was doing, um, juvenile probation up in Prescott and, you know, my years up there, um, I really started to see, 
a lack of support and resources for victims. And so that kind of turned into a passion of mine is, you know, we're doing all of this stuff for, you know, criminals and defendants, but, you know, we're so behind the curve when it comes to talking to victims and getting them services. So um, that's kind of how I fell into to this position. Hmm. How do you like <clears throat> when you say you were like behind? Is it just because that nobody was calling them and saying like, "Hey, how are you doing?" or making them show up for court cases or just reaching out in general? I think it was reaching out in general. Um, it's so huge just to have mm-hmm. a human contact, somebody yeah. talking to exactly. you through the process. Exactly, um, and I think just having that contact and just you know talking to somebody and letting them know, "Hey, we we believe you, we understand you," um, is is make or break and. Places. And I think in like Scottsdale, it's different from the military because they give you a pamphlet and they say like, here you go, good luck. Or they give you another phone right, number to right. call or they, you know, but it's not somebody that's seriously like holding your hand, walking you step by step. And because otherwise I would just be like, yeah, I give up. I'm just going to go someplace else. So I think what's important to understand too is is Keisha and Ellen and their team, they're with our victims every step of the way. That's awesome. Every step of the way they're there to help them with, with any questions, any <laughs> way to navigate the legal process that they need they're, they're an invaluable resource it's it's huge that we have five of them now and four and a half yeah that's four four and a half four and a half to five five on a good day one of the nice things that we're able to do is reach out to every single domestic violence victim <coughs> wow. personally we can't do it with all of the others but that's really unusual in most um, most jurisdictions so with every new case that's charged with DV, we will at least try to reach them um, to offer services. How do you think we're doing? And this is a, this is a tough question because I feel like a, as a city and as, an, as a police department, I, I feel like we've been doing a good job um, with messaging um, and, and getting kind of getting the word out there about, um, about domestic violence, about recognizing domestic violence, about reporting domestic violence. But it's hard because it's one of those cycles of violence that I don't know if it doesn't seem to change and often it seems to get worse. So how are we doing, you know, in, in terms of the city, the PD, and then the larger perspective on messaging about resources and and getting help if you need it? Are we, do you think we're doing good or is there so much more left to do? I mean, there's always going to be work to do. I mean, it's, it's like you said, this isn't anything that's ever going to go away. Um, but I, I feel as a PD, I think we're we're definitely above average. I think we're doing a really good job with <coughs> with getting the message out there and getting the resources available. And I think, you know, podcasts like this and what Allison and her team do uh, with the PIO outreach, especially during DV Awareness Month, you know, getting the links and the resources and, and things out there that people might not know is available. Um, an excellent resource too is our PCIS folks. Yeah, um, They have access and links to so many resources, not just DV related, but just in general. Um Again, like I said, there's always work to be done, but I think as, as far as large agencies go, I think we're way ahead, and I think we're doing an excellent job. Yeah. Ellen, Keisha, how, what, are, what are your thoughts on that, <laughs> just in terms of the messaging? Are we, are, we, are we where we need to be? Oh, and for, for those of you listening, uh, Sergeant Dunn talked about uh, PCIS, which is Police Crisis Intervention Services. And so in the PD, that is seven master's-level counselors uh, who work uh, are embedded in the PD 
and talk about being ahead of the game. They've been with us since 1975, I believe it is. Um, And that's uh, talking about, like I said, being way ahead of the game and recognizing how important um, victim advocacy, uh, wellness, mental health, uh, and finding resources for the, for those in our community who are in crisis. So, um, they're absolutely terrific. So back to you guys in terms of (laughs) just in terms of the messaging or how are we doing? Are you, are you, I guess the better way to put it is, do you ever see uh, a slackening of your workload or do people come in and say, okay, I, 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 you know, as needing an advocate, that they know the direction that they should be going in. Are, are, are we, I guess I'm just trying to look at, are we doing a good job on our, our messaging that there are resources out there, both for the for the victim and for the offender to get help? Uh, because I think sometimes, um, and we should be focusing on our victims uh, first and foremost, but we never break the cycle of violence unless we also have something for the offender um, once their their crime has been adjudicated or in the middle of their crime being adjudicated, do they get the help and counseling that they need so that they don't reoffend? Um, I mean, honestly, I think city the city of Scottsdale as a whole has done an amazing job with um, messaging, getting the word out, um, inner uh, office trainings. You know, um, Judge Hendricks does an amazing job with. Um, different trainings that she offers during DV month for staff so that the court staff is aware. Um, and I think that that really plays a role in making sure that victims and offenders, when they enter in the, into the courthouse, they know where to go. They know who to contact. They know what resources they can refer to these people so that we're right there when somebody needs so I would I would definitely say that the city of Scottsdale um, is above the curve when it when it comes to the messaging and and making sure people in the community are aware of where what we do and, and where we're at. Yeah, something else on that topic too is our presiding judge Judge Biardi uh, brought a program with her, our firearms transfer program. Yes, that's been uh, I know that's added some workload to you guys you and your <laughs> staff. What but, is that one? Yeah. So whenever an order of protection is issued, there's a, a box that can be checked. That right. Basically the offender defendant has to turn in their weapons to the, the police if they don't then they can be charged with a violation of the court order um judge bayardi spearheaded that program and we were on board uh, with developing it and it came to my unit for enforcement and we have a great compliance rate um, it's really been awesome a, a successful program and that's i think one of the cutting edge things that that we've been doing um that other departments are now picking up right. and following suit because yeah. it's such a great idea. We're, we're taking firearms out of the hands of potentially violent people. And it's, yeah, it has had a little bit of a workload, yeah. but it's, it's a, <laughs> this is your opportunity to ask me for another body. If, if we can get a fourth detective, <laughs> I could just handle the firearms. Even a half. Right? I'd take a half a detective. <laughs> I guess TJ is really half. No, it's, it's really a great program. That's one of those things that, you know, is a good indicator of how we are doing as a, as a yeah, PD. Yeah. And I, I just, the, the compliance that we're getting with it 
um, has really been been really good. And I think it's really enhancing the safety of our, our citizens here. Yeah, agreed. And can we let's 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 flush that one out a little bit because you're gonna have people who will listen or tell their friends about this, like, oh, the police are taking their guns. <laughs> no, no, that here here's what's really happening. This is when a an order of protection has been issued, typically against an offender. Yes. And and not part of that is a is domestic violence and they're they're also in possession of a firearm is that now um via court order essentially we can we can uh, confiscate their firearm for a period of time correct so it's it's an order of protection is issued by a judge so it's essentially an order issued by a judge and the defendant has the ability to comply um, by either sending a form into us or sending their guns in right if they do surrender firearms they are not impounded they're not destroyed they're not taken forever um, they're held for the duration that the order of protection is in effect um, so it's not, like you said, Chief, it's not like Going we're, in. Right. we're not like we're kicking down doors. And right. Guns this is not a red flag law. This is not anything <laughs> right. like that. This is a, you, you know, you, there's an order of protection out right. against you related to likely related to violence or domestic violence. And, and all of these are reviewed by, by a judge, either right. one of our, either our presiding judge or one of our city judges review all of these to determine the violence potential. These aren't just, right. you know, handed out, you know, as like you said, we're not just taking guns because right. we can, there, there's right. a legitimate threat of violence and these are intended to protect the, the victims, uh, add another layer of protection. That's the exact point is that really this is to reduce domestic violence related homicides, uh, aggravated assaults with weapons, uh, and just reduce the likelihood of extreme violence with a fu- with, typically with a firearm. And so um, don't send any angry emails. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's, the, right, it's, it's the right thing to do to protect our uh, our victims of domestic violence. Well, I think that you guys are talking about like extreme the domestic violence with the guns and everything like that. But you also went to the schools and you talked to students about red flags and relationships. Like that's phenomenal. I can't wait for my girls to get there where you guys can teach them that kind of stuff too. What to look out for just in case they're on the wrong path in a relationship. So the it reach out just begins even at a smaller level. And that was that's a really cool thing we did this year that we when we were sitting down brainstorming um, kind of thinking of ideas of what, hey, how do, what do we want to do this year? Uh, one of the things we thought about was prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, what have we ever done to proactively, you know, try to teach healthy relationships? That's so amazing. Uh, Detective Van Kirk is, she was an SRO before yeah. she came to yeah. me. And, and she know, looks 12. She, she, she does. does. Yeah, so <laughs> she, she fits in the school perfectly. She does. If she not, it's not for the uniform. Well. Um, you're 12, what do you know about a relationship? <laughs> I don't understand this. She, uh, Megan, I'm just kidding. That's it's terrific that you're doing that. <laughs> it, it really was great. She, uh, we kind of ran with the idea. We sat down. We had a lot of meetings with Keisha and and the victim advocates, kind of figure out what the best approach was. And obviously, because Megan looks like she's 12, she's the <laughs> yeah. best one. Yeah. You don't want yeah. me up there trying to talk to. They don't want some 50 year old talking to him no. about relationships. Hey, thanks, Allison. <laughs> anyway, wow, that's wow. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Okay, I didn't mean that you. was a, that was a <laughs> zinger. I looked right at her. <laughs> You pretty much look. Wow. Yeah, I wish everybody could see that. I wish you were filming that. She looked exactly right at me. And by the way, I'm not 50. Okay, I'm 53. It's way worse. It's way worse than you made it sound. Anyways, we're way off. That was some 50 year old guy talking about his 34 year marriage. We don't want that. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That sounds really. That made me 16. I wasn't. I was 19. <laughs> And 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 I'm so glad that uh, Marcus wasn't there to teach that. Or or back then, I went to Horizon High School at 56 and Green. I'm so glad that nobody from Phoenix PD was there to teach that class because they they would have told my then my girlfriend, who's now my wife, like, "Hey, sure you want to be with that guy?" <laughs> Red flag. He appears Red to make some questionable decisions. 
So <laughs> sorry. What a, what a great, what a great, uh, yeah. what a great class. What a great opportunity because you're, I think you're seeing more and more and I, and, and I know everybody who listens to me, they'll take it easy. Uh, some of my bashing on social media, uh, and media, but you see a lot of things going on um, with our young people today, and I think we're gonna, we'll, we'll get into talk about the pandemic and and uh, and domestic violence and violence we're seeing coming out of the pandemic. But a lot of things on social media, um, not very good for our young people uh, in terms of how they behave, how they treat one another, uh, some of the things that are that are out there related to uh, kind of in the in the media space, really pushing some very questionable things in relationships with our young people, and so. Um, what a great opportunity to get into the schools and have conversation about what a healthy relationship looks like and then have identify some of those red flags of this is not very good. So um, that's, 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 that's wonderful. So when you guys talk about you're not with the police department and you, were, you keep referring to the city and everything, can you explain that? Because I don't know anything about that either. So. So, yeah, we work for the city attorney's office, specifically with the prosecutors. Um, So our specific role is when cases are charged, um, then an advocate is assigned to that case. So if we're talking about DV, there there will be a specific advocate assigned who will reach out to the victim, and depending on how um, involved they want to be, we'll walk them through every step of the way. So we work with the police department but we don't work for the police department. Yeah. So I don't, it's I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's the control freaking me, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's, I think, I think Allison brings up such a great question um, for all of you, for the three of you is, can you kind of take us from, you know, from inception, like Marcus, I don't talk about kind of call for service and then how the case reaches your detectives and then how it transitions ultimately um, with the victims, uh, to victim services, and then kind of where we go from there when it reaches you, and where does that then go from there, and how do you walk with the victim through the entire uh, process? Well, there's a there's a lot of different folks that touch your case from the get go, from the initial nine one one call that gets reported, and then our patrol guys will show up and they'll do the initial investigation. Once they do their initial, then that's when it'll come to me. I review every domestic violence case in the city. I'll evaluate it, and based on what's in the report, I'll either send it out to one of my detectives for further follow-up or assign it to the patrol officer that made the arrest um, as the assigned officer. Okay. Anytime an arrest is made or defendant's charged, that's when uh, the Department of Victim Services will get involved um, once things start proceeding through court. So we talk quite a bit. We have our, our monthly uh, domestic violence action team meetings. Um, we'll exchange emails and coordinate. And it's basically information sharing to help them. And then once it proceeds to court, that's really where they shine and, and kind of take it from there. Okay. You go from there? Yeah. So um, we'll either get um, a case that's a result of an arrest. So in that instance, we'll be reaching out to that victim immediately that like sometimes seven thirty, eight in the morning so that we can talk with them. Um, to make sure that they know what their rights are, that they give input about release conditions, um, which is information we can share with the prosecutor so that the prosecutor can then um, request specific release conditions um, for the safety of the victim. Um, And then there are other cases that come maybe a month after the incident, um, you know, if it's just long form. And we will, it'll still get assigned to an advocate. We'll still reach out to them once we're aware of the case 
to um, kind of make sure they know what their rights are, to get their input, to explain the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. um, which is really an ongoing explanation process because it's so complicated and so confusing for victims. Um, and they're already overwhelmed and, um, you know, in crisis. Right. So it's step by step. Not an easy system to navigate. It's not. Acacia, uh, it, can you kind of talk about where about resources in terms of when, when they come from the PD and now they're on the advocate side um, and they're looking for that help, kind of that hold, you know, hand holding to go through the, the entire judicial proceedings. Is there an opportunity for us also at that time to share resources with them on, 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 on how to combat this or how to get out of that relationship or counseling or what kind of resources are available? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the communication between the victim or survivor and the advocate is, is so important because when we're talking um, to these victims, we're gauging what, what services they need. We're talking about um, what, where they would like to go from here. Um, and that allows us to provide them with different referrals for resources. So, um, that could be anything from counseling and getting support um, for victims. And, you know, oftentimes there's children involved. So making sure that we're also, you know, touching the children's needs um, through all of this. Um, if they're willing to leave the situation, we have um, Control Out Delete, which is an amazing provider um, that, although is based in Mesa, um, has helped many of our, our survivors um, in Scottsdale um, escape. And right now we're doing um, another donation um, for them um, to be able to provide different um, immediate needs um, for victims who are escaping. Um, We do um, a lot of referrals um, to different providers. Um, Again, it's really based on the communication that we have with our victims and what their needs are, shelters, Mm -hmm. um, getting them um, situated with services or shelters um, in their area and and what they need. I know know we have like donation boxes here and everything like that. Um, What other services can we do here like within our community to help out for, to help out for these services? Um, donations are huge. Um, I don't know of really any providers that aren't accepting of donations, whether it be monetary or um, actual products. Right now they're doing like the hygiene. Yes, our box is full out there. It I is so It excited. is so full, and I love that. You know, um, again, you're, you're working with some victims who leave with nothing but the clothes on their back, right. the shoes on their feet. So... You know, expecting them to be able to now pick up is is very hard mm-hmm. to to even fathom. So, like control out delete um, really does come in handy. What do they do exactly? Uh, control out delete. It's um, they do a couple things. So, well, actually a lot. I've had um, them provide lock changes. They'll t- send a locksmith out to the home. Um, they can put up. Uh, someone in hotel room not for very long for a couple of days but it's a good starting it's point. It, yeah because it, sometimes we have to buy time before they can get in the shelter the shelters are often full and then the victim is like what do i do um so definitely donations financial donations to, they've been one of our biggest um, immediate resources when we need something fast for someone um awesome yeah so we'll put a plug in for them <laughs> You know, interesting, and kind of, we're heading in this direction I've mentioned it a couple times, but 
you know, the pandemic was really interesting. I, I think uh, first thing I, you know, that's the first time I've ever seen anything <laughs> like that in, in my, yeah, Allison, 53 years uh, <laughs> of life um, to see kind of the, the stress involved, the lockdowns, the mandates and all just, and then, and then the division and the craziness going on. And, you know, I, I became the chief um, in December of 20, December 1st of 2020, which is really when things were, you know, hitting high gear um, as we, as we ended 20 and uh, went into 21. And so we know, I know just in looking statistically, um, our numbers, Marcus went up, our domestic violence numbers went up, all of our violence uh, went up and has, has gone up and stayed up. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about some discussion that you have or thoughts you have about the pandemic and how that's impacted domestic violence and your respective workloads, both on the PD side and on the victim advocate side. So when pre-pandemic, like you said, we were we were up about 900-ish DV-related cases a year, and that dipped a little bit uh, during the pandemic. And I think the reason for the dip was kind of what you hit on, Chief, with the lockdowns and the lack of resources and just the lack of person face-to-face contact. Right, right. So I think a lot of it was very underreported. Um, yeah. We only had 758 um, during the pandemic. Dur- yeah. In 2021. Absolutely. That was, that's just like people staying hunkered down yeah. and I'm not going out. I'm not <laughs> telling anybody about it. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of ugly that too, some of the third party reporters like teachers and, you know, and coworkers that, that would normally see you're, you're yes. not having that face-to-face right, interaction. Right, so there's right. a lot of, that's so scary. It was, it's, it's very scary. It's you know, not that the pandemic was scary enough. That's right. another, <laughs> added stress on top of it. But then oh. in 2020, when we came out of it, like you hit on chief, it, it spiked. We had a uh, 1,054 uh, yeah. related cases in 2021. We had, uh, 1,044 last year. We're on about 805 this year. So yeah. it's, and I think a lot of it is coming out of the pandemic. Things yeah. were underreported, and I think now that we're out of it and people are returning back to normal and, and life is is normal again, there's a lot of third party reports coming in too. And yeah. we, get, we get a lot of that from the schools. It's kind of seasonal with the schools yeah. as well. Yeah. Interesting. We talk about we're back to normal. Like this is a this is definitely a new a new a normal. new new normal new normal. Ellen, looks like you. Well, yeah. I was just thinking that one of the things that we know <laughs> is that alcohol increased during the pandemic, which is always a fuel, almost always a fuel for, for domestic violence. Um, I'm not sure it's gone back down yet. Um, you know, some yeah. of the statistics I've read is that people have kept up that level of mm-hmm. alcohol use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that when we get, would get cases in, in reading and reviewing the police report, I would see a lot of reference to the stress of the pandemic, Um, some financial concerns, um, people having differing views about what's safe, what's not safe, Mm -hmm. what they're bringing home and having fights about that. Um, So, you know, I definitely saw that filtering through all of the uh, many, most of the police reports, I would say. Mm -hmm. So it definitely had an impact. It just seems like, you know, we're seeing like a, uh, it's a perfect storm, uh, like the Mm -hmm. trifecta of that started in 20, the trifecta of you know, pandemic and and uh, social unrest, mm-hmm. and then you know when you have uh, lockdowns related to the pandemic, and then you you go you come into um, back then in twenty you're into the ele- you know the election, and a lot of the craziness related to that, and none of that seems to have gone away. You know, it's now we're we're back into a new election cycle for twenty four, and that madness, and you throw in with that discussions of. The pandemic, I was surprised to hear the discussion about pandemic, you know, the, the COVID again and, and possible mandates and lot. And I was like, oh, here we go again. And, and civil unrest or what we have going on. And 
around the world with with uh, Hamas and Israel and and, uh, and I, you know, I always like to say wars and rumors of wars and the stress that has caused um, our young people. Uh, are you seeing? Are you seeing like all? Is all of that coming together in like a perfect storm for all of you that we're starting to see more domestic violence? And how is that impacting domestic violence related to what you already talked about, which was our, our teens in, in schools or our college age uh, kids? I think that was a, a big hit for the, the kids that were in school um, during the pandemic because you've immediately cut off that social interaction and everything goes to, to virtual or non-existent. They and don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, they didn't know what to do. Or how to act. Or they're not having that social interaction and that adjustment. And we're seeing those kids now and like you said chief the later early college age and adult now and it's they're still navigating right. the healthy relationships and that was part of the discussion that went into this uh healthy dating relationship that we rolled out to the schools was i know it sounds kind of elementary but do we need to teach people what a healthy relationship is again yeah. do we need to kind of yeah. teach people yes. how to date healthily yeah and you know it's because people lost all that and everybody's so in a phone now and so mm-hmm. hands off that that eye contact, handshake, social interaction kind of disappeared. So I think we're still kind of reeling from that and recovering from that. Yeah, yeah. Almost a failure that uh, I think we've had is that we we haven't uh, done a great job in the last several years of breeding and resilience mm-hmm. with our young people. And so um, that's really we have to we have to breed in more resilience, train in more resilience, and and so that we can bounce back from thing, things like this. I was just going to touch on, you know, we've talked a lot about the the dating aspect of DV, but a lot of it is also family violence, you know. Yeah, so definitely. now we've got the election, we've got politics yep. coming up, we're coming into holiday season, so we know there's going to be the family gatherings yep. that always yep. seem to spark <laughs> arguments and conversations. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, you know, that's another big aspect of um, the work that we do as victim advocates is the family dynamics, the family cases that come in, you know, um, how to navigate with those. And those types of resources can uh, sometimes even be a little bit more difficult because yeah. um, they're not the dating mm-hmm. marriage relationship. Great it's point. mom, dad, yep. it's brother, sister. Yep. Um, and again, I think Scottsdale PD and, and, Victim services and uh, prosecution have done a really great job of navigating um, those cases and and getting services for victims too. But yeah, I, I'm assuming we're going to start seeing the spike as yeah. the holidays mm. creep in. Unfortunately, it seems seasonal. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can almost go with the school year and the holiday season. Yeah. It, you get the ebb and flow. Which is worse, Thanksgiving or Christmas? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Really. You know, I I think you make such a good point because um, I think often we just, it's easy to fall into the idea that domestic violence is about a relation, violence in a relationship, you know, uh, a a marriage or boyfriend, girlfriend type thing. And it's so often not. It's so often related to kids assaulting in a family, assaulting each other, assaulting the parents, parents assaulting, you know, assaulting the children. Um, and, and just, and I mentioned resiliency, um, and that we haven't done a great job in the last several years, uh, teaching resiliency. The other thing is that, um, boundaries seem to have just like 
evaporated overnight and 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 the boundaries that we set for young people or for you know for adults in the in the relationships with one another and like anything goes yes. and so when you're throwing a beating on you know on a family member you know it was different when my brother and sister and I would you know fight like kids and you you know you hit each other every once in a while I'm sure I'm sure the I'm sure the sem- uh, the, the hooligans uh, in my I'm house I'm sure the <laughs> The, the children in Allison's home, I'm sure they're perfect model children and not <laughs> not beating the tar out of one another. Yes. Um, but what we've seen is they take it too, so far. It's not like you, you're kids and you smack one <laughs> another. It's like I'm, I'm beating you now with a stick or a broom or, you know, or I'm using a weapon or I'm pulling a guy. I found dad's gun. And that's what's just terrifying is the no resiliency or lack of resiliency and then the level of violence we're seeing because now anything goes in our society, no boundaries. Can you speak to that at all? Oh, what you said is correct. It's, we're, we're seeing that too. We're a lot of what we would call a simple assault where it's, you know, like you said, a, a punch or a slap is kind of few and far between now. There's, there's a lot more violence. That's um, crazy. And whether it be using an instrument or just the sheer volume of, of punches or the, the direction of the punches, location of the punches. It's, it, it just seems to, the, just the violence is increasing. Yeah. And yeah. It really, it's not like, it, not like it was. I think the term simple assault and. It's such it, a lack of respect for like humans. Yeah. It is. Kindness and being a family. It's yeah, kind exactly. of shocking what humans can do to each other. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I'm going to be one of those old people and say it's the video games. Mm. Stop it. <laughs> or what? The music, oh, oh the music, these little holy idiots <laughs> are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a whole there's there's a whole lot to unpack there, Allison. Yeah, so we'll, we'll look at your family dynamics and uh, we'll make some judgments from there. So that's next month's podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna let's bring in all the girls. It's my anniversary tomorrow. Happy anniversary! Yeah, Thank happy you. anniversary! I mean, is it is it happy anniversary? You get out solid. It's, oh yeah, happy. <laughs> I'm sure James is happy. James, is, James is very happy. Yes, so, yes. Um, thanks so much for you know we, we're going to get into some lighthearted, more lighthearted questions. I know Allison likes to ask those, but you know this is such an important topic. I know that that often uh, I think, and we talked about resilience. I think that folks tend to shy away from this. It's like it's the discussion over the years. Uh, we knew that domestic violence was incredibly underreported and likely still is very uh, underreported in the same way that sexual assault was, we knew was highly, highly underreported and we made it a little safer for victims to come forward on, on sexual assault, but we're still not there yet on either one of them, on either one of them. And so it's, it's opportunities like this where we can all come together and have these conversations that are, I think that are so important because I feel like no matter when we talk about this, every October we talk about it in the PD or you talk about it in the city in the advocacy advocacy group. Um, sadly, it doesn't change, right? We still, we all have jobs because of this. And so I just want to thank you for being here and, and bringing light to this and thank you for what you do. It really does matter. Um, and so uh, I appreciate you being honest and transparent and coming, ha- having these conversations. It's really important. Mark your calendars because on Monday, October 30th, get ready to have a spooktacular time at the first ever Trunk or Treat event at the McKellips District Station at 7601 East McKellips, right on the eerie corner of Miller and McKellips. Join us from 4 to 8 p.m. if you dare. We've got some tricks and treats up our sleeves, folks. 
Expect to see our SWAT team and even the mounted unit, literally, on horses, not ghosts. But beware, they've got candy as sweet as ghosts' ectoplasm. Dress up in your spookiest costumes and bring your trusty buckets. Because it's not just ghosts who want to fill their souls. Er, I mean, buckets? With goodies? See you there on Monday, October 30th, and may your candy stash be as bountiful as a haunted mansion's secrets. Now, let's wrap up this not-so-scary podcast with today's for reals questions. Let's hope they're less terrifying than a ghostly encounter in the dark. Allison likes to throw out questions (laughs) that none of us have seen before, nobody knows, and usually it's some horrific thing about... (laughs) These are great. Okay. These are, so they're all Halloween related. Oh, nice. What's your favorite scary movie? We have sound effects today. No big deal. The Ring. Oh, that is that's a, a good, good one. one. Totally I, forgot about it. I watched it alone when my daughter was young. <gasps> she was at a sleepover, and I couldn't sleep all night. Yeah. yeah. Is that the one that's seven days? The hair, the hair yes. Yeah. And yeah. she's Creepy. coming yes. out of the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Like my daughter's hair, Chief. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've seen, I've seen that before. <laughs> one of Allison's children. <laughs> Final Destination. That's no... That is not Th- that's scary. a horror movie. That's about death and dismemberment. How is that not a f- scary no, it's movie? Not scary. Okay, ready? I'm gonna go old school then. If you're not gonna accept Final Destination, no. um, Freddy Krueger. Oh, that's uh, a good night- one. Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Yep. Um, I'm a Conjuring girl. Yes. Love the Conjuring. I don't think I've ever seen. That. Oh, that's a cheap. Good one. I don't to like watch. horror movies. Yes. They're I like, scary. I like rom coms. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever say that. Me and, me and JP, we like rom-coms. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. <laughs> oh my gosh, that makes me laugh. I can feel the... <laughs> um, yes, A Conjuring is amazing. What was yours? I would say that Annabelle. Yes. Those are good. Anna, yep. Yep. That's the one with the doll. Yes. yes. Yeah. Good lord. Because they're not gory. They're not gross or bloody. They're just scary. Chucky. Or the yeah. old Chucky movies too, or Bride of Chucky. Oh, <laughs> it's a doll. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay, sorry. All right, Marcus. I would have to go. I'm going to old go old school like Chief. I think the original Friday the Thirteenth. Oh. oh yeah, yeah. I can't believe nobody said Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite all time like Halloween themed movie, not so much scary, but I like the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally good. I think that's good. That one's great. Yeah. Watch yes. it every year. And Beetlejuice. Beetle Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, good. Hocus Pocus, yeah. Good yeah. feel yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. That's some good ones. Okay. We know that uh, you hate candy corn, Chief, so we're not going to do no, that. No, because candy corn is not candy, nor is it corn. That is true. It's, it's wax. It's terrible. It's wax terrible. with salt in it. All right. Sorry, what's sugar. Favorite or worst Halloween candy? My, my favorite are the pumpkin Reese's. Oh. Like, oh I, good choice. I don't like normal Reese's cups, but the seasonal pumpkin-shaped Reese's cups. They uh, taste the same. No, they don't. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> no. enough, you said you don't like the normal Reese's. Anyway, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> that's my favorite is Reese's oh peanut no. butter cups. <laughs> no. Any, I'm, so I'm with you on Anything that. with peanut butter in it. Reese's Funny. peanut butter cups, Reese's pieces. Yeah. yeah. I think Keisha's on to something, though. I agree, because the Reese's eggs, when the eggs come out, there's something about the... Really? The proportions of chocolate and the, peanut butter. There, there is it's more peanut butter. There is. Yes, than there, there is. There is. There is. You're right. And that is my. I, I'm with you. 
Yeah. My, my favorite is Butterfingers. I love Oh, Butterfingers is good. I like how it just gets stuck in it your does. teeth. It does. Yeah. And then you're just like picking and it And then, <laughs> then it's tasting flavor for the next hour. <laughs> Do you remember the Butterfinger BBs? Yes. No. Yeah. I'm getting, Bart getting hungry. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. This will gross you. Uh, I hope that you guys don't like Peeps. Like they no. Oh, those are gross. Those they, I, that's an Easter thing. Though. No, yes. they have Halloween ones what? now. Stale Peeps. Yeah. No. Better. Ew. Stale? Peeps are so disgusting. Oh, that's disgusting. They're the best. What, what, what's yours? Favorite? Mm, anything with chocolate. Okay, that's... It's a lack of specificity. That's a, lot, that's a total lack of specificity. If you cover candy corn in chocolate. <laughs> no, nope, hard pass. Hard. But how about a peep with chocolate on it? You know that? Like a s'more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be good. Even peeps and s'mores would be disgusting. I can't get past the peep part. I like Bernie Bot's Every Flavor Bean. It's a movie. Come on. Come on. Harry Potter. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you remember the Harry Potter series? And it was like, Bernie bots every flavored bean, and he picks up, and he's like, mm, this one's earwax. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife would have been there with you. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. Yeah. She would have gotten that. So, okay, next one. Best costume as a kid growing up? Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Were you an ape? I was an ape and had the full... Tommy gun, machine oh. gun from the Planet of the Apes that originally <laughs> with Charlton Heston in the 70s. Yeah, go easy there, youngster. <laughs> Bunch of kids here. Anyway, so yeah, Planet of the Apes. Uh, I, I was it. an ape and I loved that costume. So I have an older brother. My favorite costume, back to the Ghostbusters thing, is he made me a Ghostbusters costume. Oh, like I made me the, the wow. ecto pack and everything. Like it was like That's an Did awesome like, brother. Yeah, it, it was it legit. Like it you was, still like him? That is oh, so yeah. cool. Okay, good. That's an awesome brother. It's one of yeah. the benefits of having an older brother that kind of was the, he, he's the artsy one. He's, oh. Yeah. He's, uh, he works for GCU. He's in their graphic design. And he, oh, that's awesome. He totally like household stuff made me the coolest that Ghostbusters awesome. backpack. And I was, I think I was like eight and I was so proud like struggling oh. in the neighborhood in my Ghostbusters costume. That that's is so cool. That's a cool my story. best Halloween memories. Yep. Awesome. The exact opposite of domestic violence. Yeah. That's awesome. I was a gypsy every year, so that was gonna be mine. Really? (laughs) Yes. I think it was my alter ego or something. I don't know. So that was my only costume every year. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of along the same lines as Marcus. My uncle is the artsy craft one, and one year he made me a cat's costume, and it was kind of like a cats on Broadway type. Um, Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Feeling pretty cheesy on my plastic mask. Uh, <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's back when plastic mask. You couldn't breathe. You couldn't see. It, you was, couldn't like, see. it was legit having and a plastic mask. the edges mask. were so sharp, yes. you cut yourself on it. Right. And the string that cut into the <laughs> side oh, of your head. Yeah. It leaves a mark for days. Don't, don't yeah. underestimate yourself, Chief. That was, that was, a, that was the real deal, <laughs> wearing that plastic mask. <laughs> you, you went with Gypsy? Okay, yeah. My grandma made my costumes growing up, and we had a Gypsy one, and I thought it was so cool walking around in that Gypsy. It was probably the ugliest thing ever, but I loved it. But my daughter this year is a treat. We were talking about her oh, earlier. Oh, James told and me I that, And I cannot yeah. wait. She is amazing. A so. tree. Just a tree. That's it. Yeah. Did you have to make the costume? Oh, I don't make any. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> we bought it. There's no costumes made. There's no dinner. <laughs> There's no hair There's no brushed. hair brushed. <laughs> There's fend for yourself. There's dry Cheerios and go to sleep in the closet. They're alive, Chief. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, that's that's <laughs> that's the level of success right there. That's when you know you've reached it. They're alive. Okay, we're surviving. Yes. Okay, next. Uh, Good segue. Yes. Final question. Yes, last one. Okay. Okay, we're gonna play a name that tune with three songs. Oh no. Halloween. Exercise. 
I know this one. Yeah, because you just looked at his phone. Yes, I sure did. <laughs> Friday the 13th? Um. Nightmare on Elm Street. You guys are good at this. Gosh, that's a... Now you want to go home and watch scary movies. Last no, one. I don't. I hate them. <laughs> I Let's watch Made in Manhattan with uh, J-Lo. <laughs> Oh, I saw it. I saw it. They're not going to know this one. I it's have too no new. Idea. It's a Halloween movie? It's just a gory movie. It's not like the Saw, is yes. it? Yes. Saw? Oh, good job. Good job. That was it. I don't yeah. wa- these are horrible. I don't watch these. <laughs> Like this, I usually like the movie where the guy shows up in the small town, you know, like Sweet Home Alabama oh, or something like that. Oh, that one is a good right? one, Chief. Yeah, I <laughs> love that one. You've got a baby in a bar. Isn't that what Sweet Home? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. Reese Witherspoon? Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, well, thanks for having fun with us at the end. We'd like to, because we, we wound up talking about some fairly weighty topics, you know, that, that are in law enforcement and this being one of those, but thanks so much for being here. It was uh, really important. And any, any parting comments? I do a shameless plug for our trunk or treat. Yes, yes please. Absolutely. So we've, uh, we worked really hard with, with Allison, especially she's been, been amazing. Uh, on October 30th from four to eight, we are having our first ever PD trunk or treat at our McKellips station at 761 McKellips. Uh, we have 2024. No, I think we have only 15 cars, but there's like... But they're really cool cars. Oh my gosh, our CRT took the van and they're making it into a mini haunted house, the response van. Oh, that wow, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's going to be amazing. That, that in and of itself is a reason to go. There's going to be mounted, our SAU is going to be there, um, canines, yeah, it's yeah, It's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good, fun, awesome. fun, safe environment, um, lots of candy. So. And that's Monday the 30th. Yes, sir. Monday yeah. the 30th from 4 to 8 good. down good. at our McKellop station. My wife, my grandkids will be there. Excellent. My I'll be recovering kids. from that same surgery that your daughter had. So. Oh. But we'll see if, if it's everything goes all right. Then I'm, yeah, yeah. Talk about a horror movie. That's going to be a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great. Parting words from our, our victims advocates. Anything you want to leave us with? So just we'll put in the second plug for the trunk or treat. We're very excited. We'll be participating in it. Yay. So, great. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, to all of our listeners out there. Be safe on Halloween, and remember, every day offers each of us the opportunity to be more in the service of others, so do great things, take care of one another, and a little patience goes a long way. Let's not get mad at everybody, especially on the freeway. Uh, let's let's limit our road rage, and let's do great things and treat, treat each other well as we come into the holiday season, and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you for joining us on Shop Talk today. If you or someone you know is in a situation that requires assistance, we urge you to reach out to your local police department. Additionally, for support on domestic violence concerns at at a national level, please visit the website thehotline.org. You can also seek immediate assistance by calling the hotline at 800-799-SAFE. Again, that's 800-799-7233. Or by texting START to 88788. Your well-being is important and help is available today. Let Halloween be the only thing giving you the heebie-jeebies this spooky season. Stay safe or you might just end up in a horror movie of your own. 
Keep an eye out for those little goblins, witches, and maybe even a few vampires lurking on the streets next week. Who knows, you might stumble upon a creature from the Candy Lagoon. Ha 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 